This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Dato Download Podcast, where we break down the latest news and developments about the USC baseball program. And this week, what should be a joyous, maybe, episode for Trojan fans, getting ready for the NCAA tournament trip to regionals, first time since 2015, somehow turned into a sullen one after a Selection Monday surprise that I, for one, along with most college baseball prognosticators, did not see coming. I'm Shotgun Spratling here alongside co-host Jack Smith to break down USC snub from the NCAA tournament field on this week's episode of the Dato Download Podcast. We'll also have an interview with the man that felt the pain of that snub, probably more than anyone else, USC head coach Andy Stankiewicz. For any new listeners coming into the season late, the Dato Download Pod is part of the Peristyle Podcast family of shows, breaking down all aspects of USC football, basketball, baseball now, and recruiting. Make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe to the Peristyle Podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform so you don't miss any of our new episodes with a ton of expectations for the football and basketball teams heading into next season. And now baseball as well has really leveled up the bar as, as well. So also don't be afraid to leave us a review. You can also submit questions for future episodes by emailing podcast at uscfootball.com. That's not just our show, but all epi- all of the shows on the podcast family. Just make sure you specify which one in the email headline so we know where to direct it. Now, Jack, before we get into this episode, how's your summer in San Luis Obispo, the home of the delicious tri-tip and the chocolate bacon milkshake? How's it going for you? What's been your What was your first reaction when you saw the full NCAA tournament field announced on Monday? Well, uh, my, my summer's going pretty well. We started out with a four-game weekend and four straight days, averaging a total of 1,400 fans a game. So that was, uh, was stressful to start, but but still really, really fun. And the team went three and one. So it's exciting to cover. Um, so my first reaction, I mean, I was pretty busy, so I didn't have time to watch the show. So I turned on tweet notifications for both of your Twitter accounts. And I, <laughs> I wasn't exactly sure how they'd be rolling it out. So I saw you were talking about that the West coast was getting disrespected. And I was like, okay, well I, maybe that means Arizona state's getting disrespected or Arizona or UCI. And then I, I wasn't exactly sure whether it came to a close or not. So I texted you. I'm like, wait, so like, I know the West coast is getting disrespected, but is it over, over? And is USC out, out? And you texted me as like, yep, USC didn't get in. And I was uh, pretty shocked to say the least. And then, then started to kind of open up Twitter and follow things along and just see, um, you know, Arizona got in over over USC and Arizona State didn't make it and UCI didn't make it. And all these teams that, that you know, we had seen throughout the USC season uh, because USC had played a lot of them. A lot of them are out here on the West Coast, get disrespected, get left out of the tournament. And then seeing some of the teams that got in, like in Arizona, that I know that they played well down the stretch of the season, but wasn't exactly sure how they got in over USC. That was the first thing I saw. And then I, I believe it was the next day saw that the tweet that USC wasn't even named by the NCAA as one of the last four teams out. And it just didn't really make any sense to me. Um, and I know that we're going to get into it, uh, but you know, it, it couldn't help but feel that USC got disrespected. 
Yeah, it was it was interesting for sure. The selection show, um, you know, I actually got a text right before the show started. that said, "Brace for impact," and I said, "Does this mean USC related? Does this mean West Coast related? Does this mean West Coast and Northeast related?" Since of all the different things I cover, and it was just a cryptic text that I got from a source, and I was like, "Oh, this could be interesting." And then as it kind of played out. I think that text was in reference to the West Coast because it felt like the entire West Coast was kind of disrespected. We'll get into that a little bit. We'll get into it with Andy Stankowitz as well. Jack and I are going to break down how everything kind of played out last week with the conference tournament. We'll look at what happened on Selection Monday and where the Trojans go after a disappointing end of the season. Before we get to that, we're going to bring in our special guest, USC head coach Andy Stankowitz. Andy, thanks for taking the time to join us in what we wish were happier times for you because uh, we thought you guys deserved to be in, but unfortunately does not go your guys' way on Selection Monday. First off, thanks for taking the time and, and, and taking the time out uh, of what I know is a busy week for you because things don't stop. You just jump right back into to recruiting and everything else, I'm sure. Yeah, um, yeah, Shotgun, Jack, uh, pleasure to, to be on. Yeah, you 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 nailed that one. Um we're in a dead period now, but before we got into it, I, I found myself out watching a showcase already, and and, um, um, and we have our sit down with all of our guys and go over the year and, and just um, share our thoughts, um, them and us, and how it went. And so, still in the process of doing those, and I was hoping to to do those later on. I didn't want to do them this week, but uh, hey, man, that's life. Life, life in the big city, as my dad used to say. When things don't go your way, you just you pick up the pieces and you move on. That's what you do. That's what we're going to do. Well, set the scene for us. Where were you at? Were you guys watching as a team when you got the, you know, you're watching the bracket being unveiled and kind of what was the reaction? Uh, first off, just, you know, as it's going along and you're seeing no USC, no Arizona State, no UC Irvine, none of the, the teams that could be could even considered bubble teams from the West were being mentioned at all. Uh, what, what kind of was your thoughts as the, the process was playing out? And then obviously after you find out that you're, you're not one of the teams in the tournament field. Uh, well, well, we, um, we decided to meet as a team and watch the show. Um, um, and I told the guys beforehand, Phil, I, I don't know what, I don't know what direction this is going to go. I really don't. Um, and, um, but I said this, I said, we've, we've, we've done this together. We've, we've won and we've lost together and, and we're either going to celebrate together. or We're going to be, um, I'm disappointed together and just the way that I see it, I go, I'm not, I don't, I'm your head coach and our coaching staff's right here. We're right beside you. Good, bad, or indifferent. We're not going nowhere. And so I just wanted to make sure they understood that number one, I didn't know. Um, and a lot, a lot of people would say, I, you know, why have the show? Why even have everybody together? Because I say, Hey man, it's you know, part, part of what we're trying to help our young men is, is understand life. Life doesn't always go the way you want it to go. And it's, um, and we got to be men about it and we got to be stand up people and we got to, we got to wear it and, and we got to learn how to move forward. So I just felt like if, if it doesn't go our way, then I'm gonna, we're going to own it as a team and, and uh, we're going to look at this someday and hopefully next year and look back and go, we're going we're gonna to change the direction. We're going to change this whole scenery of, of this. It's going to be different. And, and so that's the way we approached it. And yeah, it was a tough pill to swallow. I, I like you. And, and I think from what I understand, a lot of folks felt like we deserved, but in life, you don't always get what you deserve. Shotgun, you know that. Jack, you know that. And so, um, and so, but uh, yeah, it was disappointing, um, you know, um, but it's, it's, it's life. So we move on. 
what were some of your main takeaways, at least coming out of the Pac-12 tournament? I know that you guys, uh, you know, went in there, won the first game, ran into a tough Washington team, and then it was kind of out of your hands. And when, when Stanford lost, it you know ended up you know finding out you guys weren't going to be moving on. Had you felt like you had done enough coming out of that Pac-12 tournament, um, or you, did you see anything from the team that that you know you thought coming out of it that uh, you deserved a spot? Well, I don't know that I you go one to one, and you know I don't know that we we gained anything and lost anything at that point. Um, um, the tournament, you know, it's what it is. And, um, you know, the hard part about the tournament is you, is you can go into game two and you can know already where you're going to go to the semifinals or not. And that's like, I think that's something as, as head coaches, we may hopefully get a chance to sit down and discuss as we get into, you know, the off season, um, for next year's tournament is, uh, does it make sense? Can we look at a different format to where, you know, you do lose, you lose two when you're out versus going one-on-one and, and then still going home. Um, and so could, could that have made a difference if we could have got to the next game? I don't, I, I don't, I don't necessarily know. I, I really believe that the body of work that you do, especially in conference is, is, it should be the main factor in, in all of our drive as coaches. Like it's all of it. I understand RPI, I get it, but, um, but you know, the, the drive for us is to, to to be well do do well in in conference play and and I felt like we did that and then we got to the tournament we went one on one we didn't really I didn't feel like we lose ground and it feels like we gain ground um, but obviously I guess in the eyes of the committee we, we lost ground. I mean I'm glad you understand RPI because I feel like every year I think I have a hold of it and then right. I do not have a hold of it so um, yeah. you know it, we've seen traditionally that the West has slightly lower RPIs just because there's less teams and it brings them back to the mean a little bit. And there's been a little bit of lenience in the, in the committee in the previous years, including last year for you guys getting in at Grand Canyon. Um, So, you know, with that in mind, did that make you feel like you guys were in just because of kind of the lenience they'd given? And was it surprising how much they kind of relied on the RPI and just went straight forward with that with some, what we've seen the last couple of years from the committee? Well, I think in listening, and I don't know, I wasn't obviously in those meetings, but it seems like they, they just didn't put much credence on on West Coast baseball. I mean, I, I would I would venture to say that that you would have a hard time looking at our program this year and and saying we're not in the top, you know, six seven teams on the West Coast um, just from um, RPI and also from conference play and and all of it, and so. Um, I think that's the part of shotgun that that we have in the West have got to try to, I don't know, try to figure out a way to get more representation to where, um, you know, this is 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 a better feeling towards what we're doing here on the West Coast um, at times because I don't, I mean, I I I feel like we were in the top teams and and I don't want this to sound like, hey man, Coach Tankowitz is 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 sour grapes, um, hey man. It, it, here's a fact. If we would have played better on the road, we're probably not in the spot. So that you know, at the end of the day, that's on me, man. I'm the head coach. I'll wear that. I'm mean, it's and uh, we have to wear that as a program. And so I don't want anybody, your listeners, to think that coach is just whining. Cause I'm not. I'm not. I'm not whining. I'm mo- I'm moving forward, man. I'm not, I'm not, I don't I don't worry about the past. I learn from it and I move forward. So um, but I think, yeah, there's gotta be and and, and you saw rooms did that thing about. You know how was is Maryland? Was it Maryland and no? Oh, was NC, NC State, State and Santa Barbara? Yeah, and what? And that's he's right. How are they that much? Is that much difference in in RPI from two really good programs? And so um, we've got to, I guess, figure out a way to 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 
I've put a formula together that just that just can kind of equal this this thing out a bit, right? And so I don't know what I don't necessarily know what it is. Shotgun, I'm 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 not a math math major, right? And so I don't I'm not sure I know the answer. I'm a coach and I just want to help our guys play better and, and have a great experience. And and so um that's my main goal. But I just I just felt like we were certainly one of the one of the better teams that could have represented the, the West really well in this tournament. But like I said, they, they didn't think so. I'll give you a chance to talk about something positive. I know that you mentioned that there was the team meeting where you guys went over kind of final takeaways for the year. What were some of those things? I know I don't want to make you get into the private details, but as you guys kind of sat down coaching staff players as a whole, what, what did you guys come up with as some of the biggest takeaways from year one? Well, number one, we, we, we wanted to, we wanted to, and I told the guys out of the gate, man, I wanted to, I want to gain respect for USC and it was, it was a respect issue, right? Where people got excited about USC and, and could look at our program and go, Hey man, they've gotten better. They're getting better. Um, they're going to continue to get better. And I'm proud of our guys and all of our seniors. And I thank them. Um, they helped lay a foundation. And I really believe that it's going to get stronger and stronger as, as our program continues to move forward. And so um, that, that was the biggest takeaway. I just want them to be proud. I want them to walk out of that clubhouse with their head high, their chest out. And hey, man, we did something pretty cool. Um, irregardless of what other people think, I'm proud of them. They should be proud of themselves. Um, um, and so we did a lot of good things, man. We got a lot of young players that, that got some great experience. We got some older players that had that had career years here at this program, put themselves in a position to possibly get drafted. And so all of those things excite me. And I, I feel like um, I feel like we got the best baseball still out in front of us. What was the primary reaction from the guys, you know, as you guys are watching the, the show and it doesn't go your way and how do you think they'll use that going forward? Um, I think they were, they were, they're, they're bummed. I mean, obviously we, like you said, we were getting to the end of it and we we're all realizing when, you know, no Irvine, no ASU, right. You know that, okay, this is, this is starting to get a little, little, possibility of not getting in. So you, you saw the, the body language, you know, and I, you know, I just turned it off and I said, Hey man, um, now, um, you're going to make a decision here, man. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to crawl in a corner and are you going to get up and, and go to summer ball and get better? Are you going to, you're going to work at it? Or are you going to come here back here in August and with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and get better? Um, or are you going to whine about, Oh, we got, we got hoes. I, I, I let him do it for a moment, but then after the moment's over, it's time. It's time to move on. That's not. We're not going to live there. I won't allow our, our allow our guys to live there, stay there. Um, and so I just said, "Hey, man, get excited about what you have in front of you. Get to play baseball this summer. Hopefully, some of you will um, get a chance to play professional baseball. We'll see where that all goes. And you guys that have graduated, man, congratulations! You did a great job. Be proud of yourselves. Um, and we kind of we kind of went from there. Do you guys now try to use that as motivation in some way uh, going forward? I know, uh, for example, Rusty Filter and Santa Clara, you know, they got in this season. They were strut, they strode down the stretch and, you know, finish was the one thing that was on plastered everywhere for them, uh, you know, going into the season. They were able to really finish strong to, to be able to win the WCC tournament and get in uh, up there. Is there something, some way that you use, uh, you know, this as motivation going forward, or is it something you just kind of put in the past and you move on uh, separately? Well, I hope it motivates them. Yeah. Hell yeah. I, if, if it doesn't tick you off, then, then you shouldn't play at USC. Um, I don't it motivates me. I'm like, 
Yeah, I get, I get it. I, you, you learn from the past, right? But I'm not going to let it bury me. I'm not going to let it consume me. I'm going to get out and recruit this summer like the rest of our coaches. And um, we're going to do what we've been doing. We're going to continue to move the program forward. But, yeah, it should bother these guys. It should it should put a little craw in their throat as we move forward. It, it, and, and, and to get better, not not just like, hey, we got we got hosed. It's like I said, I don't hate. Life is life, man. Um, but um, just that, hey, I got to get better. We learn from the mistakes, learn from, you know, the the moments where we didn't perform as well as we should have. And in those moments, it, it could very well have cost us uh, a regional. Um, I don't think it should have, but it did, right? And so, um, and so yeah, I, I hope it motivates them. Hope that when we come back here in August, there's a little bit of a, a little bit of fire in the belly to 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 show people. And it, and and it's got to take place then. It's got the work's got to take place in August, in September. It can't say, okay, I'm going to turn it on in January and February because then by that time it's too late. And so hopefully these these guys felt this emotion. They can kind of um, kind of go back to it and, and know that feeling again. And hopefully it'll 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 push them to to take every day very seriously and work out their game. Uh, on the roster front and improving the roster for next year, I'm just curious as to to your kind of philosophy about where your priorities lie. I know you've got a lot of young guys coming back, but uh, is your primary focus maybe convincing some of the older players to stay, uh, maybe looking in the portal, or is it more of that you know regular high school recruiting and then bringing those new young guys in? I'm just curious as to how you plan about going about uh, improving the roster this offseason. Yeah, um, Jack, Jack, my plans to get better. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not really sure. The portal's there. It's real. We're in it. We're watching guys. We're talking to guys. Uh, we've got recruits coming in that we think – um, can help us. I've got young men that um, that uh, I've been really honest with. Like, there's a lot of bodies that are going to be here in August. A lot more than we're here there this past August. So it's competition. It's going to get tougher. If uh, if if you want a guarantee, then go somewhere else. If you want to stay here and fight for a job, then you may not. You might not have a job in the springtime. You might get let go in August or December, and stay. I've just been really really upfront with them. Um, and so we've we got to get better, and, and typically you get you get better by recruiting better players. I mean, it's it's let's be honest. Um, so we're going to try to get some nice players in here, but they they got to fit the piece. I'm not I'm not just going to jump in the portal and get every guy in the portal that we see just because he's from Power Five. It's got to be a piece that we feel makes sense. I like the job that the players we have returning. We have a lot of guys that got a lot of ABs that are coming back, but you have to you you have to implement little pieces of that in your, in your roster as well from other, other places that, that are out there. And so um, we're on on the phone with some people and if it makes sense, great. Now remember SC, it's hard to get an SC. That's one thing I learned last year when I was transfer portal, I tried to get some guys in here that university said, coach, those transcripts aren't making it. And so, um, and so just because we want a guy doesn't mean that we're going to get him. Um, um, and because of that, and, and it's cost a lot of money to go to school at USC. And um, I don't, it's not like I have a, a, a pot of gold and scholarship in the corner over there. I can start throwing money at people. So, um, so it's, there's always different dynamics to it, Jack, but yeah, I think that um, we're looking at the portal. I feel good about the young men that we have coming in. Um, um, and I feel good about the guys that are returning. Well, hopefully you can find a Paul Skeens out there. You know, one of the, I'm sure everybody would take one of those after what he did yeah. for LSU this year. Sure, sure. Um, what's maybe the biggest area you want to address this offseason, whether it be position and, uh, you know, 
something like that, or uh, is there something else that you want to address with the team as you know as a whole that you, you want them to get better at or want them to be more refined when they come back from the summer? Well, I want them to play shotgun. They got to go out and play. I've had a lot of good meetings today, and a lot of these young men they're tired. You know, they just kind of want to go home. But and, uh, my point is, you don't get better in a in a training facility. Um, throwing in a pitching lab. You get better by getting hitters out. You get better by getting in the batter's box and trying to get a hit off of a slider or a fastball, whatever it means. So so our big our big charge right now is 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 you're gonna go play. If you're healthy, you're gonna go play. Um that's just that's how you get better. And so we're just and we've we've placed a lot of our guys and we're still trying to place other guys um as we get through this. Um, and so I think more than anything else to charge this, I want I want, I'm going to pay attention to how they're doing this summer and I'm going to look at stats and I'm going to, I'm going to hold them accountable. I told them, I want to, when I look at your numbers, I don't want to see you hitting buck 80. I don't want to, I don't want to see your ERA at, at 10 walking, you know, 12 guys in six innings. It's not going to work. So I'm just, uh, I've got to, uh, our staff has got to hold them accountable so when they go out and play that, that they're performing at a level that that's going to, that we're going to see progress. Um, and so that's a, that's a big part of it. And, and then, um, and then, you know, you've got it, you've always got some, some administrative stuff that we've got to do, you know, that I'm, and I'm, I'm less than a year into this job at USC. And so I'm learning, we, we don't have a, an athletic director um, at the moment. Um, and so I'm, um, we've talked about some things that, that we want to explore. And, and one of them is name, image, and likeness for, for us. And so that's an area that I've got to figure out who, who on campus is going to be able to help me through that one. Um, and I'm not, I'm just trying to help parents, you know, help bridge the gap in, in going to come to school here. We're not, I'm not trying to put, put a bunch of money in a kid's pocket. I mean, that would be great. And I don't even know if that happens in baseball. <laughs> Shotgun, I, you hear these stories about people get next million dollars. I, I don't know. Um, that's not my goal. I'm not, uh, my goal is not to give a guy so he can drive a Porsche. My goal is to try, try to help mom and dad um, bridge the gap. And so we're going to look at some of those things, some possibilities there. And then, you know, you know what we do in summertime. We just recruit. That's all we do. I know that you guys, this, the coaching staff specifically, was was really happy with the way that the team bought into the stuff that kind of you guys were selling as you came in. What's the next thing that you try and get them to buy into next year? Is that part of your coaching philosophy you haven't yet introduced? You know, after the foundation is now laid, that you're going to try and reintroduce in year two. Yeah, it gets harder. It gets harder. It's going to get it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. Um, and if they're ready to commit to to because now I think we need a nice foundation. But now we've got to build it. And that's that's gonna that's not gonna be easier. It's gonna be more difficult. And so that means all of it. Coaching staff, me, Coach Stewart, Coach Etherton, Coach Jenkins, Coach Brown, everybody. Um, I'm not we're all in this together. We gotta, we gotta it's gonna get more difficult, then we gotta get we gotta get better at what we do. I gotta get better as a head coach, Stewart's gotta get better as a hitting coach, Seth's gotta get better as a pitching coach, everybody's gotta get better. Um, and so all those young men gotta get better. Um, and that'll, that'll be the, 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 what we'll talk about. Final question, Andy, before we let you get out of here, uh, try to end on a positive note, even though it's a disappointing week, give me your, your favorite highlight or moment from this season that you're going to remember in 20 years about this group being the first group that you had at USC when you, in 20 years, when you got things rolling, you guys have been to a couple of college world series, 
you know, what's the thing you'll think back about this group uh, in, in when you're looking back at it? Um, uh, thank you. Good question. Uh, you know, you think about the victories on the field and I think about the success at Dado and I think about some of those, those, those Friday nights that we had and looking up, you know, I coached third base and looking up in the stands and seeing the bleachers down the right field line filled up. And I don't, I don't know when, when that's been done. Right. And, and it's probably been a while. And so seeing our fans just kind of rally around us. And obviously, um, you know, the, the Cole Gabrielson got a, got the big hit at, against UCLA. Um, and it's not that necessarily it was UCLA, but it was Cole, right. The senior, he didn't get, he got, he gotten, there was some sort of compliance nephew his junior year. He couldn't play, he played a little bit late and everyday right fielder, you know, his dad's an alum, you know, there's a, it just, I, I know that was meaningful to him, you know, and so to see his joy and see his elation that, that it, he was able to, to come through in a big moment like that for his teammates and, and the crowd, that, that was a, that was a, it was a, it was a pretty cool moment, but I think just, I just was excited about, I felt good about about the crowds on the weekends. It just was like, okay, I feel like we're, we're this is there's some buzz, this is building, um, and so I think that's that's what that would be my biggest takeaway. I just I just was excited about about the way the guys played at home, and they kind of just fan, the fans seemed to kind of rally around them and get excited about our at our games at Dayton. Well, I think if you go ahead, I was I think if you win the season series against UCLA every year, that the, the fans are probably going to be pretty excited every time. <laughs> well, that's hard to do, as you know it. Um, they're they're well coached and and um, they're good. They're a great program. So, but we certainly will 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 be ready to go every year. I can tell you that. Well, I think you definitely excited the fans uh, and got a lot of people on our message boards and whatnot really interested in back in USC baseball. A lot of people talking about it. it's been this many years since I was interested in USC baseball, so that's great to see, and hopefully you guys can build on it. I know it's a disappointing week, but uh, hopefully it's the start of, of something uh, even better going forward. So, Andy, thanks so much for taking the time, for taking the time throughout the, the second half of the season to join us, and hopefully we'll get you sometime during the the uh, the offseason to talk a little offseason ball and what kind of goes into that, give, give some people some behind-the-scenes look on, you know, what, what really goes on with 11.7 scholarships and recruiting and a little bit of everything else, trying to get, peel back the curtain a little bit for you. But we appreciate so much you taking the time and, and joining us throughout the season. Always, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Shotgun. Thanks, Jack. Have a great night. With that, we're going to jump into our break, and then we'll be back with Jack and I talking, taking a little bit deeper look at the past week and what happened um, to lead up to Monday's selection show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back from the break. Make sure to check out our sponsors and also please like, subscribe, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. Also, if you have any questions, comments, requests, you can send them in at podcast at uscfootball.com. Just make sure you put Dato Download or Baseball Pod in the headline to make sure it gets directed to Jack and I. We have a we do have a review shotgun that, that I want to go over. It's back on May 9th, so I don't I guess we missed it before our last episode, but it's from Rare CPA. 
So that says, great team bringing you the most entertaining and informative family of podcasts about USC sports. Something for every sports fan, whether it is football, basketball, baseball, that's us, or recruiting. I listen to the various podcasts while doing gardening or other work around the house. The podcast team is well-informed and always on point. So we thank you for the five-star review, Rare CPA. And as always, if you guys are listening and you're just kind of doing nothing right now, listen to the podcast, go down there, leave a five-star review. It only takes a couple taps of the thumbs and we really appreciate it. Yeah, we also got an email from Justin Wilson. He said, excellent work, gentlemen. Been such a fun year, finally, following the baseball team. And I love the accompanying pod. Thanks for putting them out. Much appreciated. Hopefully, Coach Jewett has an open invitation to join as well. Amazing interview. So much fun to hear him cook. That is all. I just want to say thanks and job well done. Fight on, Justin Wilson. Um, you know, Travis Jewett does have an open invite anytime he wants to come on, and we will let him cook as much as possible. Also, Jack, I, I do have to say – I have to pass along some congratulations, some thank yous from several of the USC parents that I got to you know, meet some of them. I knew a couple of parents previously, um, introduced me to some of the other parents, but you know, everyone, it was, it was great. Thank you so much for being so kind and saying such kind words about Jack and I and the podcast. They were all very appreciative and you know, told me about how much they listened to it on their way to the ballpark or whatnot, uh, or on the way to two work. So that was really awesome. That was really fun to, to have that experience. So thank you guys for listening. I wish we had a couple more weeks to give you, uh, you know, recapping actual games. We'll talk about that. Let's Before we jump into our normal sections, though, and, you know, talk about recapping what did happen this past week, Jack, what stood out about our interview with Andy Stankowitz? I mean, a lot kind of went on there, a lot transpired, um, and, and, you know, there, there's a couple different things that, that I noted, but what stood out to you? I think that, and this is for good reason, that he just sounded kind of sad. And I know he didn't want to sound like he was complaining or, or whining about the way that the season ended. And I don't think he was, but you could tell just by the tone of his voice that he thought that USC had gotten themselves to a really good spot at the end of the season. Uh, you could tell he thought they did, you know, really a, a good enough job in conference to deserve to make the tournament. And I think we agree with him. I think you could just tell that um, with all the hard work that went into year one and uh, the the feelings that he has for the, some of the senior players, even some of these younger players that he thought had, had worked their way to earn a regional bid um, on behalf of USC. I think you could just tell that, you know, it, it was a bummer for the entire team. Um, and I think it probably comes most from feeling it for the kids um, that, that he, you know, always mentions whenever he comes on to talk with us. It's just how much it means to uh, for him to see, you know, the kids improving and, and, and everything that that means for USC as well. Well, um, you know, I think it's he, he said it best that it's a tough bill to swallow. And I think that, you know, you could tell for for this entire program, uh, I, I think it was really, really a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. And, and Andy's kind of a matter of fact guy. He's not he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. Um, so I, I kind of took it that way. But you know, the fact that he, he didn't necessarily say that it's going to be a specific thing they use for motivation, but I would not doubt that it is plastered on the walls. Uh, you know, I would have Arizona gear hanging up in the locker room or something, since that's the team that seemed to kind of take USC spot potentially from the Pac-12. Um, I would just have that that constant motivation because you know those guys are going to be fired up. It being, you know, not even mentioned as one of the first four outs. You know, we thought they were definitely in. So I, I think that they're definitely going to be fired up for it. No, and I know that you were in person for the Pac-12 tournament, so I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of it on TV, but the the broadcast brought on Blake Soderston during the Washington game, and they asked him, and you know, uh, you know, two two schools, Washington and USC, that were not 
expected to do all that well in the Pac-12 and that they were telling him, yeah, you guys were picked to finish 10th by the preseason coaches poll. Did you guys use that for motivation or anything like that? Like, was that, uh, you know, ever in discussion? And, you know, most players, when they get those kind of questions, they'll dodge it, even if it is true. But but Blake just straight straight out came and said that that Andy Stankowitz came on, plastered it on the wall in the locker room at the beginning of the season and and put it up. And, the, and it was there the entire year that they were picked to finish 10th. And I was like, well, this is a this is a senior who he's he's able to speak his mind and some players like to avoid those kind of questions but he was just kind of straight up frank about it and not what i was expecting i was kind of like oh, that's a good that's a good question trying to bait him to get the to get the answer um but most most players you know won't respond to that kind of like how during the ucla football week we were asking guys like hey this is what dorian thompson robbins said Do you guys have any comment and they were like no 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 and then after the game they finally said something but no blake sutterson just came straight out and said it they did use it for motivation so if they use that for motivation there's no chance they're not using this for motivation as well yeah so i, I think it'll be interesting to see what, you know what the roster looks like next year we'll get into the, a little bit of that stuff down down the line in the, in, in the as the offseason progresses um, but, you know, they're losing some big pieces, and Blake Sodderson is one of those. He's a guy that, you know, came in from CSUN, not necessarily a ton expected of him, you know, had some potential, but he really struggled last year at CSUN and, you know, got hit around a lot. The fastball was kind of flat. He made some adjustments and became a dude for them at the end of the season. And so I'm going to use that as my kind of my, my segue into the recap here because USC used him in the first game against UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament on three days rest. And I thought it was really interesting because the, the week kind of set up. We talked about this last week, how the week set up, you know, where they have a Tuesday game, they have a day off and the potential of playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, basically the same as their schedule would have been the previous week. Um, you know, so, Hey, maybe don't change much. From it. Use your midweek guy. And then, you know, on Thursday, you start with Sodderson, you go from there. They used their midweek guy. That was Eric Hammond. He, he did okay. You know, three and a third, he gave up three runs, two of them earned. But then it went to Sodderston immediately after that. And I was almost I was shocked a little bit. You know, going on short rest, a team that feels like that, you know, we think was already in the tournament and an extra win couldn't hurt them type of thing. That told me that Andy Stankowitz and his staff felt like if we win one more game, that locks it up. If we win one more, that locks it up. So if we use our best guy now to beat UCLA, who we think is not as good of a team as Washington, it's our best chance to just make sure that we lock this up. And I think at the time they were either trailing by a run or it was tied um, when they brought him in. Uh, that you know they felt like, all right, this could be this could be the moment. Let's go attack the moment, go win this one, and then we'll worry about anything else afterwards. So I thought it was a really interesting move there. Um, it didn't necessarily work out. In, in the best way for them because Sonderson gives up a, a three run double to John, John Vons, you know, your brother, Tyler Vons, always shout out to my, my guy uh, TV, but USC goes down four one in the fourth inning. It's like, uh Oh, they just used their Friday guy. He got hit. You know, he settled down after that and pitched pretty well, but USC comes back. They answered right back, uh, you know, an inning later, Austin O'Vern, Gets a 0-2 changeup. Try to bunt. He had two runners on. Try to bunt twice. Couldn't get the bunt down. He's frustrated. Andy Stankowitz is frustrated with him, and so he struck out the previous time on a changeup. He told me, "I just, I just had a feeling in the back of my head a changeup was going to come again. They would try it again." And uh, Jake Brooks, the UCLA Friday starter, normally, so they're throwing their best guy just because of the way things worked out. He had, a, I think, he rolled his ankle in a game, so he didn't pitch, pitch the week before. But their Friday guys going. Leaves a changeup up, and Overn hits it into the bleachers for a three-run homer. 
Um, so ties the game there. Well, he's not done. Of course not. Not Austin O'Byrne. Not this season. Not Austin O'Byrne. Not the, the kid that just electrified everything all, all season. He comes up again an inning later with two guys on, hits a ball down into the corner and gets the 14th triple, you know, pushes his school record even further out. Unfortunately, he won't be able to try to be able to try to add on to it this week uh, like we thought he might be able to. But 14 triples, an amazing season for Austin O'Byrne. He drives in five runs in two innings, and that was the difference for USC because Caden Conley came on. It was lights out. Once again, he was great at the end of the season. He's a kid that, um, you know, I don't know what his plans are, and I don't know how he's viewed necessarily in the scouting community. I hadn't really asked about him, but he was fantastic. So I wonder, you know, if, how – big of an impact he can have next year. Can he become a starter for USC? I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of question marks there of what he could do because he was so good at the end of the season. And then Kyle Wish was outstanding as well at the end of the season. He throws the final in in the two-thirds. So the bullpen does its job again. USC gets the win. It's like, all right, they're in. They're locked up. And I asked Andy Stankowitz afterwards. He's like, you never know, but – you know, basically, yeah, we feel like we're in now. You know, we, you know, especially using Sodderson then, I thought that was a, you know, a, a signal. We just got to go for this one, get this one win, and then we'll see where everything else lies. So, you know, I don't know if you you got a chance to watch this game and, you know, what kind of stood out to you from, you know, USC beating UCLA, taking the season series in the first year under Andy Stankwitz, win three to two, um, and seemed like, all right, they should be in now. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you stole the obvious one that Austin O'Vern. It's, 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 I mean, it's a legacy game for him, even just in his freshman year. And it's one that, you know, he desperately needed. And you would have felt really good about USC going into the tournament now that they had their, you know, freshman leadoff hitter leader back with Austin O'Vern having that, that big game. Um, two other things stood out to me. I mean, you mentioned uh, Connolly and Wish, and they were fantastic. Uh, Connolly ends with a 2 6 2 ERA on the season, being maybe the most used reliever. Um, and he's used in, you know, different spots as well, kind of was a Swiss Army knife for them but then also it's the bottom of the order once again um ryan jackson we've seen it from but nick lopez was a guy that was really really struggling for usc and you know maybe in his last season as a trojan ends up having three hits and he scored three runs which that was huge jackson and lopez in the eight and nine spots combined to score five runs if you get on base for Overn and then he hits it out of the park, that's a big deal. So if those two guys aren't on, USC probably doesn't win this game. Um, and I think it came in a big spot for Nick Lopez, who um, now that we know the season's over, uh, could could be a good send-off for him. And, and just, uh, I think, a game that he really needed, um, considering the kind of slump that he was on. Yeah, and it, it feels like this week has been so long that I forgot that, oh, yeah, Austin Overn was super slumping coming into this and had a big game. And then the next game – Against Washington, he gets on base three more times. Um, so, you know, I think that really carried over. And I think we would have seen him at his best this week if, if it was because he's the type of guy that steps up in the biggest moments. So, you know, I was looking forward to seeing what he could do on the national stage because we had our – at D1 Baseball, we had our scouting uh, guy there, David Seifert. And I was like, you got to watch this kid. He's electrifying. He hadn't seen him before. A couple other guys, national guys that were in there, I was like, make sure you keep an eye on him. And they were, you know, they're like, oh, this is the dude. You know, and uh, I think our David Cipher at D1 Baseball put a potential day one you know, uh, point on him. Now, he's draft eligible next year because of his age. So, USC fans, if you haven't seen Austin O'Byrne, if you didn't get to see him this year, you better go ahead and get some tickets for next year because he ain't going to be around much longer. Um, so, you know, he's a kid that, you know, could be drafted next year and, you know, potential of being a day one guy off of the look. Now, this is a, a three-day look basically from, from Cypher, but he really liked what he saw from him. He's He's got quick wrist. He's electric with the speed. He's got 80-grade speed. I don't know if you guys know this. 
It's a 20 to 80 scale in scouting and, and uh, professional baseball. So 80 is elite, elite. Um, so that's Hall of Fame speed. So Austin Avern, you know, really caught a lot of eyes because there were a ton of scouts in attendance for this, uh, the Pac-12 tournament, because there was a lot of prospects in the, there was a lot of talent at the Pac-12 tournament. And so there's a lot of, a lot of scouts that were there probably, you know, in total on an average day, there were 40 to 50. Um, and so you had some rotating in and whatnot. So there were a, a lot of guys, a lot of eyes on uh, these USC players as well as everyone else in the Pac-12. Yeah. And to kind of round out the the talk about the UCLA game and, and kind of the USC's games against UCLA this season in general, USC does win the season series. I think in a normal year, it means a lot more and helps USC out a lot more. And, and they were honestly probably pretty hurt by the fact that UCLA had a down year. And, and once UCLA lost that game, you and I texted and were like, yep, UCLA, there's no way they make the tournament now. Uh, and you don't normally say that about UCLA teams. And you feel like USC got a good version of UCLA, um, a version that I don't think showed up the rest of the season. And the, the way that UCLA played really could have hurt USC. And I think in a normal year, if, if the committee's looking in at USC's record with a series win against Stanford and a, se- a season series win against a normal UCLA squad, that might have boosted them into the tournament. And so, you know, there's there's all of these little things that you can point to about USC for reasons why maybe they did get snubbed. And the winning against UCLA not meaning quite as much this year is one of those big reasons. Yeah, it could have been a lot more because UCLA started the season 16-3. and three. Before their injuries hit, they were number one in the RPI. They were a top 10 team in every poll, and then their injuries hit, and they weren't the same. But in the Pac-12 tournament, they played hard. You know, and it's not like they gave up, and now this our season's over. There's no chance if we don't win the tournament. And, hey, once we lost to USC, we're just going to mail it in. They beat the crap out of Washington in their next game. The next day, they won 17-4. to They run ruled them. Um, which gave you confidence if you're USC going into that. Like, Washington did not play well at all. They kicked the ball around. It was a very bad showing for Washington. I thought they bounced back and played really well against USC. And, you know, Stu Fleslin is their Friday guy. He wasn't particularly sharp. He had five walks, but he only gave up one hit against USC in five and two-thirds. USC couldn't get anything going there. Caden Aoki gave up a couple of big hits early, and USC was chasing. It was 3-0. Hey, they got a big Johnny Olmstead, great piece of hitting going backside to drive in two runs, made it 3-2 in the sixth, but immediate answer by Washington. Every time USC seemed to get close, Washington would answer, and USC missed out on a couple of opportunities, especially in the eighth inning. They had a chance. They got a run, but they had opportunity to get you know a multi-inning run there. Just needed one big hit, and it never happened. That's when I talked to Andy after the game. That's basically what he says. You know, we needed a big hit, and no one really stepped up in this game. And then Washington separates in the eighth inning. So it was 4-3 game in the eighth inning, one-run game. And then Garrett Clark just wasn't sharp when he came in. Kyle Wish wasn't as sharp as he normally is. So you're two guys in the back end, and you feel, you know, bad that that's how their season ends up ending. But, you know, both guys that have been carrying USC the back end, neither one of them was particularly sharp. And Washington scores four runs, separates, and USC doesn't have an answer in the ninth inning. So they lose 8-3. to three. And now they're waiting around. This is what was interesting about the Pac-12 tournament. Because of the pool play and because Washington got slaughtered by UCLA, okay, all three teams are now one and one. So Washington's going to get advanced because they're the highest seed. That's how the pools work. If you're tied, the highest seed goes. But USC as the four seed has a great opportunity to potentially move on as the wild card. And if Stanford beats Oregon in the final game on Thursday – then USC would advance to the Friday semifinal where they would play Stanford. But 
Stanford chose not to use any of their good pitchers, basically. So they went all out in their first game. They played Cal, rivalry game, but they went all out. They used Drew Dow. They used Ryan Bruno, two big-time prospects um, out of the bullpen. And then, you know, they, they won that game, finished it off, and said – and I talked to their pitching coach, and I talked to their, their coaching staff, and they were basically like, all right, we got our win. Now we can use some other arms and see if they can help us down the line. So they were not going to use any of their top-end guys on that second day, and they didn't. You know, they had a chance to – even late in the game, you know, they it was a close game with Oregon. Uh, it was back – ended up being back and forth. Um, and they had a chance to, okay, bring in the closer and try to finish this off. But, no, they rode with their – they stuck to their guns and kept their – you know, they weren't going to run their closer out back-to-back days type of thing. So they stuck to their guns, used some other pieces, and said, we're going to see if these guys can get it done. And maybe they find out something about those guys for the future, for next week, for, you know, regional, super regional. And that's what they were trying to, to see it as because they knew they were already advanced, whether it was as the pool winner if they beat Oregon or – as the number one seed, they would automatically get the wild card if they didn't win their pool. So they were looking at it as a, it was a, you know, a can't lose situation. They were going to get in regardless. So that's the way they played it. And because of that, Oregon, a dramatic comeback to tie the game and then later to win the game in extra innings. And because of that, USC gets knocked out of the tournament. So they don't have a chance to push up their resume a little bit more. So because if they play Stanford the next day, which is what Arizona did, and Arizona beat them, beat Quinn Matthews, Stanford's best guy, just beat him up in that game. If USC would have done the same, USC is the team that would be in the NCAA tournament right now instead of Arizona. Instead, Arizona wins three games in the conference tournament, and they go 3-1. and one. They lose the championship game to Oregon, hard-fought game. That was what the committee said was enough to push them over. So that's now where we stand. You know, you're going into Selection Monday feeling like USC still higher in the pecking order than Arizona, higher in the pecking order than Arizona State. And depending on the way you want to look at their resume, they're either they're right even with UC Irvine, maybe above, maybe below, but right there, probably both teams are going to get in. And then it doesn't go that way. It just the it was a shocker a little bit the way that the the things played out. And that text I got was, was pretty true um, that, you know, that brace for impact because as a guy who covers the West Coast, I was shocked at that UC Irvine didn't get in. I was shocked that USC didn't get in. I, was, I didn't think Arizona State was going to get in, so it wasn't a shock there. But the fact that they were one of the last the, – I think they were the first team out and USC wasn't one of the first four out, I was shocked by that. So I don't know what metrics they were looking at other than RPI. It was all straight RPI all the way across the board. We saw that with the host the night before they announced the 16 host, and it is literally one through 15 or yeah, one through 16 of the host, except for one team, one team outside the 16 magically got into that hosting conversation. Auburn, who's the chair of the committee happens to be their athletic director. Shocker. Oh my goodness. And Campbell ends up getting left out and Campbell deserved to host because they're Campbell. Come on. They're the camels. Roll hump. Um, and so it was very disappointing to see that. And you go, okay, they're going to rely on the RPI. You didn't know they're going to rely on the RPI like this, because as we mentioned with Andy Stank was there have been some leniencies given to the West coast in the past, because it's just, it's, it doesn't, the RPI, you can't grow your RPI as well as you can in other places because there's less teams to play. So everyone plays the same teams and RPI is a formula is based on your winning percentage 
your opponent's winning percentage and your opponent's opponent's winning percentage. So when everyone's playing the same opponents, then it ends up bringing everyone back towards the middle a little bit. So because of that, normally there's a little bit of leniency. That was not the case this year. USC finds its way out despite going 34-23 of one. You know, their first winning record since 2015, just their third since 2005, 30-plus um, wins, like all these things that are at least since 2015. They finished fourth place in the Pac-12. They finished with an aggregate record of 18 and 14 in the Pac-12. Um, I believe it was. Maybe, yeah, 18 and 14, 18 and 15 mm-hmm. were the UCLA game. But I tweeted out, it had been – in the last 25 years, no Pac-12 team had been left out of the NCAA tournament if they got 17 wins in conference play, conference regular season play. Had not happened. So USC does something that hasn't happened in a half century or a quarter century, excuse me. Just kind of baffling in that regard. And then that they weren't in the first four out was mind-boggling. And then the answers from the selection committee chair, John Cohen, were even worse. Yeah, I know. So I, I have a question for you. I, cause I don't, I don't know the exact RPIs for every single team, but Arizona State, did they have a higher RPI than USC by tournament end? Arizona State was right above USC, if I remember correctly. USC finished number 53 in the RPI. Now, their non conference RPI was not great. It ended up being 130. And a big portion of that is those two early season losses that USC had in the midweek, two games they'll look back at, losing to UC Riverside. I said at the time was atrocious, should never happen. But then they also lost to Nevada. Those two teams did not end up having good RBIs at all, both one-run losses. So you look back and you go, oh, what one game could have changed things? What could have been different? Um, And I had someone uh, in the USC, you know, at Dado, call me today and was like, if we didn't lose these two games, uh, you know, what what could have been different? Because Nevada finishes 223 in the RPI, whereas – UC Riverside finishes even worse at 265 in the RPI. And USC loses those home games. You know, even, you know, if you lose home games uh, to bad teams, it hurts you even more. So, yeah, those definitely were held against USC. Um, Arizona State was right above USC. I'm trying to find theirs right now. Um, But I think it was one spot, if not uh, maybe a couple spots. I'll find out in just a second. But, you know, it was negligible, the difference. They were 47. So uh, it ended up being six spots, a little bit further up than I thought. And Arizona was 45. So if you're looking at the RPI pecking order of those three teams, and I believe UC Irvine finished 49th or 50th, and they were left out as well. Yeah, I, I think that's the number one factor that shows you that RPI was basically the only deciding factor is that Arizona State finishes as the number one team on the first four out, and USC is not on the list. Arizona State is a team that, just about over two weeks ago now, USC swept and uh, finished higher in the Pac-12 than, than Arizona State did. Swept them in three games, four to one, two nothing, and five to one. They they only allowed two runs to Arizona State in that entire weekend series. And then it comes down to because the RPI is higher, Arizona State comes closer to making the tournament. It's it's not you know Arizona is a different story where. People are making the argument for Arizona because they did make it to the Pac-12 championship game in the tournament. So even though they only won 12 games in the regular season, you know, coming away with those three tournament wins, including a big one over Stanford, I know that people can make the argument for them. But Arizona State was in the same tournament boat as USC after getting swept two weeks before. And I I think that 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 kind of shows you that the RPI was the main factor in deciding which team was higher. Um, I'm not, I think that you would agree with me here that that's not the way to go about deciding who, who makes the tournament or not. 
Yeah, it's fine to use RPI. It's a metric to use to help compare. It shouldn't be the only metric, which is what it seemed like in this case. It, the RPI is what ruled the day. And the, the craziest part to me is, you know, I'm on the conference call with John Cohen, the, the chair, and, and, you know, his ESPN interview as well. Is that he's complaining about the RPI, like, oh, we need to make some changes in this. And yet they went directly by the RP. Like, what do you, what do you, why are you saying that we should make some changes when this is exactly what, why should you make some changes? You're just going to use it exactly how it is. So what does it matter if you make changes or not? So there's a lot of things that I have issue with, you know, there, there's the SEC teams don't travel away from home. They don't have to, they're not de-incentivized to Arkansas played one non-conference road game this season, one all season. One non-conference road game. Now, they went to a neutral site, and that's what a lot of SEC teams do. They won't go on the road anywhere, though. Very rarely do they go on the road. So that Auburn was supposed to come to USC was a big deal. Now, did they schedule that? No, that was kind of forced upon them because that there was a, from what I was told, there was a um, a severance agreement about a coach going to, a USC coach going to Auburn and that to be, to make the severance package work. It was, there were some games thrown in there back and forth, home and homes, whatnot. Uh, so that was supposed to be the baseball team getting Auburn to come out. It was going to be great. It didn't happen. And USC's team and fans may look back and think, oh, what if USC steps on home plate? In the third game, instead of it being a tie, you know, they get one win on the road. Your road wins count for that much more. Obviously, that's a high RPI team. Because we talked about they made it. They're a host, even though they weren't in the top 16, uh, unlike everybody else that's host. But you think about that game. Um, you know, that's one of them. You think about those losses, those those two losses. You think about, you know, this one game here, this one game there. And that's what it becomes. You start nitpicking the season when you don't get in and you're right there on the cusp. So you feel bad for the players. And, you know, it felt like they should have been in. Um, it, didn't, it, it felt even worse after talking to the committee chair and him having no answers. Asked him a couple qu different questions. Asked him about UC Irvine, and he just talked in a circle. There was no real answer ever given. Um, you know, I asked a couple different questions about the West Coast and UC Irvine and whatnot, and just there was no answer. And he even on TV, you know, since I do cover the Northeast up here uh, as well, he said he started one answer with, I don't have much familiarity with the Northeast. Like, how do you – I don't care if that's true. Don't say that. If you're, if, if I'm on the committee, I'm like, what are you doing? Don't say that dude. Um, but then you also have to wonder, you know, uh, it's always about connections on the committee. You know, the fact that the, the AD is there and Auburn gets a host, you know, that stands out. The fact that the, the, the SEC AD is there and the SEC gets eight hosts instead of, you know, it's just a record, you know, those things you start going, okay, the connection here, the connection there, this team gets in because they have a connection. You start looking at it. Well, you know, the the representation for the Pac-12 was Mark Harlan, who's the Utah athletic director. Um, he happened to work at Arizona for 18 years. So the fact that now maybe it's just because no one uh, at, in the Pac-12 was going to give USC any breaks because USC obviously is leaving for the Big Ten. I don't know. But it does seem like, hmm, that just – just a notable thing there that he uh, has, has, has worked there for 18 years and his rival for 18 years, Arizona state, they don't get in and USC who is leaving the conference. They don't get in, but it also is just like, what were you doing to not reinforce to the rest of the committee members? Like, Hey, we can't go straight by RPI when we're talking about the West coast teams. It just like that, that representation did not feel like it was there. There has to be someone from the West coast that is, that is pounding the table about that 
at all times, and it did not seem like that was the case uh, with the results that showed for UC Irvine, UC Santa Barbara, those teams. I think all the teams that we're discussing about being bubble teams, there were issues there. We talked about the different games USC could have won. The same thing with Arizona State. They struggled down the stretch. Arizona, 12-16 and 16 in, or 12-18 and 18 in conference play, is the worst conference regular season record to make it in the postseason since 2009. Um, so, you know, not just the Pac-12, any, any power conference, any conference. Uh, so it's outstanding that they get in. And I'm excited for Arizona because I like a lot of those players. I think they're a dangerous team. But it just is baffling how it played out to me, just seeing the grander scheme of the entire thing. And, you know, different things like and geographic proximity always plays into where they place some teams. But, like, I've covered Maryland. I was at the Maryland Regional last year. They're a dangerous team. They won the Big Ten regular season. They won the Big Ten tournament. They get sent to the number one overall seed, whereas the team they beat in the Big Ten championship, Iowa, gets sent to the 14 overall seed. And they're both number two seeds in the regionals. It's like things like that just like it doesn't make much sense. What are you doing here? Like move, got, if they're going to get on a flight, get on a flight. They can go to this way or that way. It doesn't matter if it's an hour longer flight. Like send them where is most deserving – and that goes back to, okay, do you see one through 64 and then just snake it back and forth, you know, those things, or you try to keep things regional. And that's a tough challenge, uh, you know, especially when you're, okay, you got 10 SEC schools and however many ACC and this many Pac-12, and they can't be in the same regional as each other, like matching up all those things. You try not to match up people that have played to get, you know, during the season, all that plays into it, I'm, I know. And it's difficult. And I'm not saying it's easy, but there are some bad misses from this committee this year. And, and that's the reason. I mean, if you sign up to be on a committee, you're signing up for a difficult job and, you know, to come out and, and straight up say, you know, I don't have much familiarity with the Northeast to call UC Irvine, Cal Irvine on <laughs> national television. I mean, sometimes you ask me some, some technical RPI questions that I don't understand, but I don't come out and, and just straight say, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know that I, I come up with something or I pivot and talk about something else about the way that USC has been playing currently. Um, and, and, you know, I, I wouldn't sign up for a job that, that, that is making this big bracket. If I am not going to put my entire uh, effort into it. Um, and if I'm not going to become familiar with all the teams that, that might be playing. So, um, you know, I think that people have some problems with the college football playoff committee. I think some people have some problems with the way that the NCAA runs things in general. I think this is just another you know, feather in the cap for the for the fans that don't like the NCAA, that don't like some of these uh, committee deciding processes, and you know, it's it it just sucks uh, for you know the team that we've followed and, and you know the players we've talked to and the coaches we've talked to that that you know they thought they had earned a spot and uh, and we think that they surely you know did enough during the season to earn a spot uh, in their first conference or in their first NCAA tournament since 2015 and and to see it taken out of their hands in this way um it just it's hard to wrap your head around i think um but you know i think either way very successful season for USC um you know they didn't make the college football playoff either and yet here we are in the off season and everyone is still in good spirits uh, around uh, you know SC about the football program and you know we've talked about it and, and they haven't they haven't stopped trying to be good uh you know on the football field with Lincoln Riley and all those guys just because they didn't make the college football playoff um and i don't think that Andy Stankowitz and the coaching staff are going to either it's just a 
it's an interesting thing to look at. And I, I know that you follow the college baseball landscape a lot more, but just to see the some of the negligence and incompetence that goes around to some of these things that are so important are, are rather interesting. Yeah, and it would have been a great stepping stone for this program to be able to build on the first season for Andy Stankiewicz. But again, motivation can be even stronger when you don't get yep. something that you want. So we'll see how it how they carry it forward. Um, it's going to be interesting. They're going to lose some pieces. Now, I don't know exactly the, the COVID years off the top of my head of some of these guys and whether they can come back or not. But you know, guys like Cole Gabrielson is going to be is going to be gone. At, at you know, someone's going to pick him, whether it be in the draft or as a senior sign type of thing. Um, you know, they're going to lose a couple of more seniors. I think Sodderston is officially done as far as COVID and everything. You know, they got a couple of redshirt seniors like Garrett Clark. And those are the guys you feel for. You know, especially like Garrett Clark who came here from Southern Nevada. You know, worked his way up and had struggled last year had an injury. Um, this year was so good for USC. And then you, know, you think he's going to get a chance and instead his season ends with a, you know, a, a poor performance in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, so those guys, you know, I think, I don't know if Johnny Olmstead has another year. He's a senior. Here's a couple other, let's just read out the seniors real quick. And, you know, is, again, I don't know exactly if people still have a COVID year because USC sometimes lists people as seniors when they still have two years of eligibility because of COVID. So uh, we'll break that down again in a future episode. We'll see where the roster exactly is going to go. There's going to be some transfers out from USC. We've already heard a couple of names. Um, no, nothing, no starters or anything like that. So uh, that's a positive, especially after last year, losing all the talent that they did versus both through the draft and the transfer portal, which is why it was so amazing that this uh, team did as well as they did. So surprising. It was fun to watch because there were such underdogs and unexpected. But here are the seniors listed uh, on USC's roster. Three redshirt seniors, Garrett Clark, Toby Spock, Jason Sterles, all three relievers. And the seniors listed are Johnny Olmstead, Connor Cliff, the Kyle Baptist transfer, Cole Gabrielson, Ethan Hoopengarner, Adrian Colon-Rosada, Michael Rylick, Connor Aoki, Nick Lopez, and Blake Sarston. So I think Rylick is already in the transfer portal, um, a guy who didn't play for USC this year. So um, don't know the backstory necessarily there, but – you know, there's a lot of guys that can still be around. Now, there may be some guys they say, hey, then Andy Stanger was talked about it. They're going to bring in a lot of people and expect there to be a lot more competition going forward. So there's going to be some guys that want to get out, you know, look for a different opportunity elsewhere. So we'll see, uh, you know, who decides to take that step, who decides to stay, all those type things uh, going forward. Yeah, um, you know, we've, we've heard about some players, and I think that it's going to be interesting to see yeah, some of those some of those players that you read off that are seniors that feel like it's it's hard to keep track of everything nowadays where you have redshirt years and you have the COVID year now, like players like a Johnny Olmstead. I, I, I don't know, and I, and I didn't exactly know how to ask Andy Stankwitz, but like, can these guys come back? Are you going to try and get them back? And I think that's just something that we're going to see as the offseason plays out because it is sometimes really hard to work around all of these things. But, uh, you know, we saw USC go pretty hard in the portal because they had a lot of players leave the portal. I don't think we're going to see as big of a kind of a mass exodus out of USC as we did last season, where you're going to be bringing back young talent like Austin O'Vern, Bryce Martin, Grudzalanik, Connor Aoki. A lot of the guys that we've talked about are going to be coming back. It's more of those 
where are you going to add, you know, one more starter like you brought in a Blake Sodderston to fill out the depth in, in the rotation? Can you find someone else, you know, maybe back into the bullpen with Garrett Clark? You have spots to fill on the infield if Olmstead's gone, um, you know, if uh, guys in the outfield are gone like a Gabrielson, there's going to be spots to fill. And so I know Andy Stankwitz talked about they feel pretty good about the freshman class, um, but, you know, sometimes it's not always freshmen. And USC had so many veteran players come in this offseason through the transfer portal that already had experience and, and really make a name for themselves at USC and really help them win. You're talking about, you know, a, both AOKs. Uh, you're talking about Bryce Martin, Grudzalonic, Ryan Jackson, uh, some of these guys that, that came in and made such a big impact. So I think that you're going to see USC at the portal pretty hard again. And now, like we mentioned with football, you know, there's so many parallels. You have proof of concept under Andy Stankwitz. You have proof of concept. Um, uh, you know, how we played this well in the Pac-12. We we played this well against our rivals. It's a big deal, I think, when, when you have. ARUSC and and they were able to have been able to recruit on that a little bit in the past and get players like you know both the APs to come out because they wanted to always play for USC and they saw it you know a, a relevant time to do so but now you have proof of concept as well USC's trending back in in the direction that that you know most of the country wants to see them at at the baseball level so I think it'd be a little bit easier for them to go out to recruit saying help us now make our first NCAA tournament under Andy Sankwitz. Yeah, I looked up a couple of the guys. Cole Gabrielson has another year, but like I said, I think he will be, you know, picked up by professional baseball. Uh, he may choose to come back. Now, that would be interesting because um, I think he was such a big part for him. You know, a guy that broke into the scene because anything was mentioned it, but there was an issue last year uh, with transcripts or something exactly where he was not out, allowed to play until the spring semester ended um, last season. So he only got a couple of at-bats, you know, and that's why he kind of, came out of nowhere uh, but yeah it was great to see him have that moment against UCLA because his dad's an alum his granddad's an alum all baseball players so you know great to see you know someone of that lineage to be able to make the play he can come back Johnny Olmstead can come back I think he's a guy that will come back I don't think that he's a big time prospect necessarily so I think um, that he, he'll have the opportunity to come back at the at the minimum um, Blake Saunderson is done. He's already, this is his fifth year of playing. So he will be done. And I think the same thing for Connor Aoki off the top of my head, but you know, those are the, the main ones that are seniors outside of Garrett, you know, those red shirt seniors, Garrett Clark. Um, so there, there's plenty of talent remaining for USC, but they can still upgrade. You know, there's guys coming back. There's plenty of guys coming back, but you know, are you going to be good enough next year? Because what was good good enough last year or good enough this year won't be good enough next year. Similar to the Lincoln Riley talking about, you know, in the spring, what was good enough last year to earn your, you know, gold plate or whatever is not good enough this year. You know, the the standard, you know, keeps going up. And I think that's what you're going to see from the USC baseball program going forward. And it'll be interesting to see what, you know, what guys do during the summer, where they go, you know, who's going to be playing in the prestigious leagues like the Cape Cod League and whatnot. We'll, we'll be catching up on that and seeing what it is and seeing who can take that next step forward, as well as a couple of guys that we had expectations for that didn't really have great seasons. You know, can, can they find a way to get Jaden Agassi back locked in? And, you know, can he be a big-time contributor for him going forward? You know, can Eric Hammond take that next step in his development after, you know, Tommy John and, you know, being out for, you know, missing basically two years um, with COVID and everything else, you know, just struggling to, to be able to progress because of those things. Can he take a big step forward like some of those other guys that we saw like Tyler Strongsborg and some of those other guys, um, you know, if so, then this could be a, a, a very interesting team next year and a very dynamic team. And, 
you know, we'll see if the transfer portal giveth or the transfer portal taketh. You know, that's always a, a big thing. And, you know, USC doesn't have the NIL for baseball like a couple of schools do. There's not a ton of them in, in the on the country that do that. But does that cost them a guy? You know, it, you know, if Austin O'Vern really wants to make money somewhere, then maybe, you know, there's an SEC school calling him. Who knows? You know, it would be very disappointing for USC fans um, and, you know, everyone that's been enjoyed the ride of him. But that's the type of player that has left and gone. That's Paul Skeens going from Air Force. That's your herd going from UCLA. Those guys both ended up at LSU. That's what has happened in the past. So we'll see how the transfer portal works out this season as well. Yeah, I mean, Austin O'Brien's going to be on Cape Cod, I, I believe. And so there's going to be a lot of eyes on, on him out there. Um, I'm going to get to have my eyes on three different USC players this summer. They're you know coming to play for the team I'm broadcasting for. It's, it's Jacob Galloway, Josh Blum, Fisher Johnson, who those are all going to be probably some pretty prominent pieces for USC next year, where you feel like maybe Galloway did enough at the end of the season to earn himself a starting job, or at least, you know, to be the front runner for the starting catcher job next year with even, you know, Andy Stank was bringing up that there's going to be competition. Fisher Johnson and Josh Blum were two high leverage right-handed arms. And who knows, you know, if, if wish comes back, then, then there, you still have one closer back in the pen, but get with Garrett Clark gone, you know, you never know about, you know, with some of these other guys in the back of the pen, those two guys could be leaned on heavily. So I'm excited to, you know, get to see them at, at a closer level, get to talk to them and, and, you know, gauge how the year went for them and, and their thoughts on the program. But, you know, I think it does, you know, suck. I'm sure I'm going to hear from them and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I'll probably share their sentiment uh, and from watching them from up close this year, you know, just suck that their season came uh, to an end so quickly and that they're going to be, you know, seeing me so early. Yeah. Who wants to see you this early? No one, no one. Well, Jack, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure you know, doing this podcast with you. Like I said, we're going to try to do a couple more at, through the offseason. It won't be regular like we've done uh, as the season has progressed, but we will definitely try to get Travis Jewett to talk about recruiting, try to get, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get Andy Jenkins when the uh, volunteer uh, official, you know, the fourth uh, assistant role goes into effect. And if USC does indeed hire Andy Jenkins, because they've got to go through the whole hiring process, uh, we'll talk to him about that and how that changes things for him. Um, different things like that that we that will pop up as the the summer progresses and maybe we'll try to get a couple players on here at some point as well uh, to talk about both the season and how things are going for them as they play in some different leagues and whatnot we'll try to keep this you know semi-regular try to try to keep you guys some baseball news and whatnot and keep uh, usc baseball in the rotation of the peristyle podcast but jack thanks so much for taking the time and joining me throughout this season i really appreciate it and i love you know getting your insight and knowledge especially with you being out there to see everything live that i don't always get to see and you getting to see those in those inside details that that i i miss getting to see from afar uh, yeah, we missed you out here on the West Coast Shotgun. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can keep this going over the summer. One thing I thought would be interesting, maybe a Q&A episode, because I'm sure SC fans, you know, despite everything that, you know, happened and all the stuff that, that we've talked about, I'm sure they have questions. I know there'll be a lot of recruiting questions, um, but if you guys are interested in that, you know, you can either, you know, t- send Shotgun or I or DM, you can send uh, us an email, you can leave it in a five-star review, reach out in any way, and maybe it's over over the board, but uh, interested to see, you know, if, if SC fans still have some questions about the season. Yeah, and the draft will be coming up in July, so we'll have some things on that. You know, there's this this baseball player that also plays football. We'll see if he goes in the draft. Deuce Robinson, who I'm speaking, is okay. Of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens with that whole situation. Um, I was talking uh, real quick tidbit. I was talking with a uh, assistant GM, I believe it is, someone high up in a with organization out the Pac-12 tournament, um, and they told me. Uh, they didn't really want to mess with it, the situation, just because. And I wonder, I wonder if this is a 
common sentiment among teams, just because there's the football thing, there's the bonus money, how much bonus money do you really willing to pay when football, you know, is going to play a big role. So we'll see if that helps him end up coming and playing baseball at USC, or if there's a team out there that says, I don't care. We'll throw the money at them. We love the talent. We'll see what it can do from there. So uh, just a quick tidbit there on Deuce Robinson to throw in in the mix. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Dado Download Podcast, part of the Pear Style Podcast family. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratling, saying thank you to Andy Stankwitz for joining us. Thank you to my co-host, Jack Smith. Thank you guys for everywhere out there uh, for taking the time to listen. Please like, share, subscribe, and leave us that review on your podcast listening platform. And I hope you guys can join us for the next episode of the Dado Download Podcast. Oh,